This is Andrew Womack, and this is our fourth and final tape in a four-tape album entitled God Wants You Well. We've already dealt with the fact that healing is a part of Christ's atonement, which means that it's not optional. It's already been provided for, and the Lord would no more withhold healing from us than he would withhold forgiveness of sins. Our sins have been forgiven. And our bodies have been healed by the one atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we were to get the attitude that our healing has already been accomplished, and if we would fight for it the same as we fight to resist sin, then we would see a marked difference in the number of people who receive healing. The truth is many people are passive when it comes to healing, and they pray a prayer like, Lord, if it be your will, heal me. And that is absolutely inaccurate because the Bible says in 3 John verse 2 that I wish above all things that you be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. And that word wish there means that's his will. God's will is for us to be well. Once his word is revealed his will, then there is no reason for us to pray if it be thy will. It's a matter of us appropriating and standing and we have to be aggressive and fight for it to receive what God has given us. We also talked about Paul's thorn in the flesh on the second tape, which uh, dealt with traditional interpretations that Paul was sick and that God wouldn't heal him. And I believe that I showed from Scripture that that is not true. Paul was not an exception. Therefore, it doesn't mean that some people have sickness put on them to be a blessing. We also showed from Deuteronomy chapter 28 that sickness is a curse, not a blessing. Deuteronomy 28 lists the blessings and the cursings of the law. It's just like if you had a blackboard and put blessings on the top left and curses on the top right, and then you list it. Verses 1 through 14 are the blessings. Verses 15 through 68 are the curses. And sickness is a curse. And for religion to come along and teach that sickness is actually a blessing from God is a perversion of what the Word of God says. Yes, the Lord did smite some people with sickness in the Old Covenant. There's a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He won't do it in the New Covenant, but it was always a curse. It was never a blessing. And Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 12, and 13. On our last tape, we were talking about why isn't everyone healed, and we shared a number of different things, that there were three main categories of reasons why people get sick, and basically it all fits into uh, some form of unbelief as to why we aren't healed. And I made the awesome statement, I mean revelation to me, that unbelief is a counterbalancing or an opposing force to faith. And most people are trying to build faith and increase faith and in doing nothing about the amount of unbelief that they have. They don't understand that they are opposing forces. And instead of trying to build faith, like Jesus said in Matthew seventeen twenty, all we need is a mustard seed amount of faith. That's enough to do anything, to even see a mountain cast into the sea. It's enough to raise the dead. We don't have a faith problem. What we really have is an unbelief problem. This unbelief, we just expose ourselves to thoughts and attitudes, feelings and emotions, and they war against our faith. And so to be a really strong 
believer in faith, what we need to do is decrease the amount of unbelief in our life by taking our focus away from the world, away from anything that contradicts God's word. Specifically in the area of healing, we need to quit listening to all of the negative reports and learning about all of these things, and we need to focus on God's word. And if we do that, if all we think is spiritually minded, all we'll get is life and peace. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. On this tape, what I want to do is try and get across a concept that I believe is essential to walking in divine health. And again, I want to say I said this in the very beginning, but there is much, much more about healing. I've already referred to a number of albums. I've got an album out entitled You've Already Got It that deals a lot with healing, and uh, it's actually applied to every area of life, but I use healing as an example many times, and that attitude is essential. There's so many things I could be bringing up, but in this last tape, I just want to deal with this concept that you've got to understand that faith operates by law. You could say that the kingdom of God operates by law. Now, some people may not understand exactly what I'm saying here, but law is something that means that it's consistent. It is always the same. It never fluctuates. Anything, see, that doesn't fit that criteria is not a law, but it's a phenomenon. Take, for instance, gravity. Gravity is a law. We call it the law of gravity. The reason we use that is because it's constant. It always, always, always works. It's always the same. And it's universal. See, if gravity only worked in the United States, but over in Europe or Africa or Asia, there wasn't gravity, there was weightlessness, then it wouldn't be a law, it would be a phenomenon. Also, if it only happened at some times, and there was sometimes gravity, other times there was weightlessness, well then we'd call it a phenomenon. But when it's consistent and it's universal, then that means that it's a law, the law of gravity. And the law of electricity, things like this. There are things that God created. God created this world system. And God created certain laws. In the natural realm, there's gravity. There's the laws of electricity. There's the law of inertia. I remember studying this in school, that, you know, once an object is in motion, it tends to stay in motion. There's an inertia that's built up. And it takes time to overcome that. That's why a car... You know, has to, you have to put on the brake, and depending on how fast you're going and the size and the mass of your vehicle, it depends on how long it takes to stop it because there's this law of inertia, and it also works against you. When you're sitting still, you have inertia against you, and it takes time, and it takes more gas to uh, get a car moving when it's been sitting still. Once it's rolling, you can coast. And so anyway, there's all of these different laws that are in effect. And God created those laws, and he doesn't just violate those laws. Now, there's a direct application of what I'm saying to healing. Because one of the things that I deal with constantly when I talk to people is that they don't look at spiritual things as being set up by laws. They don't look at the kingdom of God as being governed by laws. They really think that God can just do anything that he wants to, and specifically... I've talked to many people that when someone in their family dies, they immediately take offense at God 
and they say, why didn't God heal this person? If God wanted to, he could have healed this person. And see, they don't understand that there are laws that govern the kingdom of God. If a person walks off of a building, there is a physical law of gravity, and God doesn't want to kill that person. God created gravity to actually be a positive force in our life. I'm sitting in a chair right now, and I don't have to strap myself in or hold myself down. I don't have to be bolted to the floor because gravity is there, and we use it. It's for our good. But did you know that that same gravity will kill you if you walk off a 10-story building? Now, did God create gravity to kill us? No, he created it to make us function. The whole world functions that way, and it's a positive thing. But if a person violates the laws that God created, if they step out into empty space off of a tall building, the same force that God intended for good will kill you. And people say, well, if God wanted to, he could just stop that. Well, if God suspended the law of gravity, first of all, God doesn't just change the laws. That's just not his nature. He created these things, and when he created them, he said it's good. There's nothing wrong with gravity. The problem isn't gravity. The problem is people who violate these laws. But if God was to just suspend the law of gravity to save one life, think of the untold millions of other lives that would be lost because of it. I mean, people who are using a car and driving, and all of a sudden, they depend upon gravity to hold them to the road. All of a sudden, gravity is stopped so that he can save the life of one person falling off a building, and millions of other people die in car crashes and other things. See, it just doesn't work that way. Laws are constant. They do not fluctuate. God doesn't violate these laws. In the natural realm, that's true. And here's the point I'm trying to get across on this tape is that God doesn't violate spiritual law either. There are spiritual laws, and they are intended for our good. God made things so that it's not just, you know, on his whim who gets healed and who doesn't get healed. There are laws that govern healing. There are laws that govern faith. There are reasons why things happen the way that they do. And our ignorance of these laws, our ignorance of the concept that there are laws is a huge hindrance. And then even people who understand that the kingdom of God is operated by laws, governed by laws, ignorance of what those individual laws are can stop us from being healed. Here's another natural example. Electricity has been around since God created the earth. There's a magnetic field in the earth. There is electricity in the air. You can see that, especially in cold, dry climates when you walk on a carpet or something, static electricity, you touch a doorknob, and it'll shock you. Did you know that those kind of things have happened since day one when God created the earth? An electrical storm. I've heard, I don't know how you'd ever prove this, but I heard somebody say one time that in a typical electrical storm, there's enough energy there to power the city of New York For one solid year, there's that much electricity in a thunderstorm. And men have observed this. Electricity has been around. And you know what? It's not God who only a few hundred years ago chose to give electricity to man. No, electricity has been here since the beginning. It was man's ignorance of electricity that kept them from being able to use electricity the way that we do today. And it's not God who held that back. If man would have understood these things, if man would have understood the laws that govern it and learn how to cooperate with it, 
then they could have had electricity 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' time, they could have had air conditioners and all these kind of things that we've got today. The ability has been there. It was our ignorance that kept us from doing it. Likewise, I believe that there's things right now that men dream about, science fiction, space travel, and stuff like that. I believe that all that stuff's possible. It's not God who's held us back. It's our ignorance of the laws. We are in the process of discovery, and uh, there's going to be radical changes. There's been huge changes in telecommunications. I mean, today, nearly everybody has a cell phone. I was on an airplane not long ago and saw every person I could see had a cell phone. Every person in my line of vision had a cell phone in this airplane. I mean, that is a radical change in communication. And there's no reason. You know, people could have been talking on cell phones 2,000 years ago. It's not God who held us back. It was our ignorance of the laws. The ability was there, but we have to understand. And another application of this is that some people, they may even know how to use electricity. They know how to turn a switch and make a light come on. But they don't understand electricity, and there is a natural fear of the things that you don't understand. Electricity can kill, and people that don't understand it are fearful of it. And I'll have to admit that I don't totally understand electricity. When I work on electricity, when I put in a light fixture, I'm not talking about just replacing a bulb, but when I get into the wiring and go to hook something up, I go to the breaker box and basically shut off all of the breakers in the whole house. Now, I know you don't have to do that, but I one time just shut off one breaker and it turned out that there was an adjacent uh, breaker box that was grounded to the one I was working on and it knocked me flat on my back. I don't understand the concepts of electricity well enough to do that. And yet one time I was working on a a bathroom, I was replacing all the fixtures. We were doing a total remodel on a person's bathroom, and a man came in. I was going to go turn off all of the breakers in the whole house. And he said, you don't even have to turn off the breakers at all. And he worked with live wires. We had just pulled out the sink, and there was water on the floor. He was standing in water working with live wires, and he never got shocked. Now, I know some people are thinking, well, you can't do that. If you know what you're doing, if you are educated enough, you can do stuff like that. I don't know enough about it to be able to do things like that. And so there's a natural fear and a problem that um, a person who really understands doesn't have. Well, it's the same thing in the spiritual world. There are reasons why some people are able to walk in the power of God and reasons why others aren't. And basically, God's Word is His manual that tells us what these laws are, how the kingdom of God operates. Look at this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. This is actually talking about the battle between grace and works, law and works. But uh, there's a principle here in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. It says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Right here it uses this exact terminology that I've been talking about. Faith is governed by law. And so when a person has need of healing, it's not a matter of just petitioning God. And then if God wants you healed, you'll be healed. No, that's not it. There are laws that govern how healing works. And primarily... It is our ignorance of God's laws, how his kingdom works, that keeps his power from operating. 
And because of a lack of this attitude, most people don't see the kingdom of God is established on laws. That means they're consistent. God doesn't violate. He doesn't change. And because people don't understand this, if somebody dies, if a healing doesn't manifest, a lot of people become angry at God and think, if he wanted to, he could have healed me. Well, certainly God has the power, but that power doesn't flow independent of his laws. There are spiritual laws that govern how faith works and how the power of God flows. And if we are ignorant of that, then we stop the power of God and we do without. And it's because of our ignorance. Now, I know that some people take this as being offensive and they say, boy, you're sitting here criticizing me. Well, I'm criticizing you in the same way that like, say, for instance, Leonardo da Vinci was considered to be a genius. And he actually invented things like, for instance, a helicopter that people have taken modern technology, lighter materials, motors, which he didn't have, electrical motors, and they have taken his designs of a helicopter, have built a helicopter based on his designs, and it worked. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Leonardo da Vinci was in the 1500s. I mean, a long time ago. This man was way ahead of his time. He had the concepts. But they didn't work because he didn't have the right materials and access to some of the things that we do today. But what I'm saying is Leonardo da Vinci didn't use electricity. He didn't have the benefit of electrical motors and stuff like this. And yet this man was a genius. I'm saying he was ignorant of these laws. But is that a criticism that the man was stupid or that he was, you know, is this somehow or another criticism? No, the man was a genius. But I'm saying nonetheless, he still did not understand some of the things that we understand and take for granted today. And in the same sense, I could say Leonardo da Vinci, see, was ignorant of some of these laws, but that is not a criticism. The man was way ahead of his time. He was a genius. He was just, you know, in context of where he was, he was way ahead of his time. But nonetheless, he was ignorant of some things. I am not criticizing you or anyone else when I say that we are ignorant of the laws of God. I'm not saying that in a way that it's somehow or another a put down, but I'm just saying that there are things available to us from God that we don't receive because we do not understand the laws of the kingdom of God. Let me just take a passage of scripture out of Mark chapter 5, talking about where the woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus for healing. And let me use this passage of scripture to illustrate some of these laws. And again, uh, there are laws of God that I have discovered. And it's through the study of the word. And uh, I've discovered a lot of them, but I'm convinced that there's still laws of God, laws of how his kingdom works that I still don't understand. And that's the reason that things don't work any better for me. But uh, I don't know it all. And I could probably tell you a hundred different laws, principles that are used in healing. But there's others that I still don't understand. And that's the reason that I don't see every single person heal. And so I'm growing and working on this. This is not an all-inclusive list. As a matter of fact, we'll be doing good to talk about four or five of the laws on this tape. But the principle is here. In Mark chapter 5, in verse 25, it says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. 
For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Now this is a powerful passage of Scripture. One of the things I want to point out is this illustrates how that the kingdom of God operates by law. Because the woman came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, he felt that virtue or power had gone out of him, and so he said, Who touched my clothes? And immediately his disciples began to say, You see the multitude thronging. The, the word throng here means that they were pressing on him to touch him. In other words, they weren't just casually bumping up against him, but all of the people were trying to touch him because they recognized the power, the virtue that was in him. And so many people were touching him, and they said, Are you saying, Who touched me? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus could tell a difference. Now, here's a point that I want to get across. When Jesus said, Who touched me? Many people think that this was actually deceptive on God's part, on Jesus' part, that since Jesus was God, that certainly he knows all things. He knew who touched him, and he was just saying this in a sense, trying to bring this woman to the forefront and getting her to voluntarily come forward. I don't believe that that's true. And this is a concept that many people don't understand, but Jesus was God. I believe that. He was 100% God in his spirit, but his physical body was human. Now, it was sinless human, but it was human. He took upon himself a human body. And it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, this is a concept, see, that most people don't have, but Jesus had to grow up. He had to learn things. He, in his spirit, I believe, knew all things as God. But he was in a physical body, and that physical body had to learn. He did not come out of the womb speaking Hebrew. He did not come out of the womb understanding math and understanding how to talk and learning how to walk and how to eat and how to coordinate his hand motions. He had to learn all of those things the same as a child does. He was not sinful, but he was human, and he had to grow. And there were limitations to his physical realm. His physical body could only be in one place at one time. His physical body got tired. It says in Isaiah chapter 40 that the Lord doesn't grow weary. He doesn't get tired. And yet Jesus got tired. Now, does that mean that he wasn't God? No, in his spirit, he was God. He was divinity, but his physical body had limitations. And I could spend a lot of time developing that. But I believe that Jesus, when he said, who touched me, in his physical body, he did not know who touched him. And here's the significance of that. See, most people think that God just sovereignly looks over things. And when a person gets healed, it's like they give a request to God. That's their prayer, their petition to God. And it goes by God's desk, and he either stamps approved or disapproved on it. 
And so if the person gets healed, it's because God had mercy on them and healed them. If they don't get healed, it's because God chose not to heal them for whatever reason. And that attitude is reflected in the millions of people who sit there and say, why didn't God heal my mate I prayed or whatever? He could have done it. And see, they think that it's just up to God to approve or disapprove of our healing. I'm trying to say that God has already approved every person being healed. He has already paid for every person's healing. He's already stamped approved. And it is not up to God, but there are laws through which this faith has to function. And if we don't learn these laws, God has already provided healing for every person. 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed, past tense. He's already provided the healing, but that healing won't flow until we learn what these laws are and begin to put them into practice. It's very similar to, again, electricity. I'm using natural laws to illustrate this because the spiritual world operates on spiritual laws the same way that the natural world operates on natural laws. But electricity is generated by the power company. It is delivered to you. It is piped into your house or into your business. But if you want the electricity turned on, if you want the lights on, you don't call the electric company and just ask them, and say, please turn on my lights. We're having a meeting tonight. You know, Andrew Womack's coming over. I need the electricity on. Would you please turn the electricity on? It doesn't matter what your need is, what your desire is. The electricity is generated by the power company, but it's at your command. And they aren't going to send a person out to flip the switch on your wall and turn the electricity on. That's not their job. They generate the power, they deliver it to you, they maintain it and service it and keep it available, but you are the one that has to turn it on. Boy, now that is a powerful illustration. And in the spiritual world, it's the same. God has already provided healing for every person. Whoever is listening to this tape, Jesus has already healed you. By his stripes, you were already healed. And if you are just praying and then waiting on God to do something, then you are violating the laws that govern faith, the laws that govern the kingdom. God has already provided healing. If you are a born-again Christian, the same virtue that raised Jesus Christ from the dead already dwells on the inside of you. You don't have a problem with God generating the power and putting it there. The problem is you haven't learned how to activate it, how to turn it on. You aren't cooperating with God. And in the same way as you could sit there and call the electric company and wait all day for them to send someone, they aren't going to do it. And then you'd say, well, I don't know. Electricity doesn't work. No, electricity works just fine. You just don't know how to work it. You just don't know how to turn it on. It's the same thing. Healing works. Jesus has already healed every person. He's already released the healing power. And if you aren't healed, it's not Jesus who hasn't given. It's you that hasn't taken. It's you that doesn't know how to turn on the power of God. Man, that's awesome. So see, this woman, she had tapped into the power of God. And the significance of all of this is she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. The virtue flowed without Jesus looking at her sizing her up, deciding whether she was serious enough, whether she was holy enough or any of these criteria that religion has put upon God. He didn't do any of those things. The power just flowed. 
again, it's very similar to electricity. You take a person that has a live wire. If you had a wire with no insulation on it, and if it was live, if there was electricity in it, the person can pick that up and boom. I mean, the power automatically flows through them and it'll kill them or it'll shock them. And it's not the electric company that did it personally to teach them a lesson. It's just the laws that govern electricity. If you touch a live wire and if you are grounded, you are going to get shocked. And it's not the electric company that did it to prove something, to teach you a lesson. It's just the laws that govern electricity. Did you know it's the same thing with healing? You don't have to even petition God. You don't have to go and beg and plead and do all of the things that we've been taught that we have to do. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is reach out and in faith. And if you are grounded in faith, boom, the power of God will flow. And this proves it. This woman put into motion the laws that govern faith and the power of God flowed. And Jesus didn't even know who it was that touched him. Now, he recognized the release of that power. And when he turned around and the woman wasn't forthcoming right away, well, then he drew on his spirit on the inside. And I believe he knew exactly who it was after he turned around and drew upon the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He was able to point out who this woman was. But the significance here is that he did not know prior to the power of God flowing who it was. It wasn't God on a personal basis saying, yes, I will heal you and stamping approved. No, healing is already, the power is already generated. It's available. And all you got to do is reach out and touch it in faith and boom, the power of God will flow. Man, that excites me. That really blesses me. It answers a lot of questions for me. It tells me why people who are good people and who desire to be healed and are earnest and pray and desire it and they don't get healed and they die, it answers some things. For me, I understand that God didn't just reject them. It wasn't God who chose not to heal them, but he has set up his kingdom to operate on laws. And God wants to heal them, but the people did not cooperate. It's the same thing as like, Again, Leonardo da Vinci, he had some ideas and he earnestly tried to invent and to make some things work. He came close. But you know what? There are laws. God couldn't just say, well, you're close. I'm going to let this helicopter work, even though you don't have the right materials. You don't have an electrical motor. You don't have the real power source, but you were really sincere. So it's going to work for you. No, there are natural laws. And he came close, but close wasn't close enough. And so it didn't work for him. Well, in the spiritual world, there are people who are good people and they petition God and seek God and they may be close, but you know what? They just don't understand how the kingdom works. And so it's not God who rejected them. It's just that the kingdom operates by laws. If you violate those laws, they'll kill you. Ignorance is deadly. You know, in the natural realm, we have a statement that ignorance is bliss. What you don't know won't hurt you. That is not true. What you don't know is killing you. We need to understand how the kingdom of God works. Let's look at this woman and look at some of the things that she did. First of all, it says in verse 25, A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now right here it says that she had to hear of Jesus. Somebody told her about Jesus and about the miracles that Jesus was performing. This goes right along with one of the basic laws of God 
that's listed in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to hear about God. You have to have information fed to you. And God's word feeds us information that is contrary to any of the information you will get in the natural world. You are not going to have faith by listening to the news at night. You aren't going to get faith by watching the soaps on television and X-rated movies and things like this. That stuff is producing contrary information. If we want faith, we need to be in the Word of God. She heard of God. Now, she didn't necessarily hear about Jesus through reading the Scriptures, but now we have Scriptures that include the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of His apostles and revelation knowledge. And if you are going to learn about Jesus today, it's not going to be through just a neighbor coming up and telling you, you need to go to God's Word and you need to get in God's Word. This woman had heard about Jesus. She meditated. She thought on what she heard. She could have rejected it, but she thought about it. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The counterpart to this, the application of this to our life is that if you want to receive healing, you need to get into God's word. And I could literally spend a lot of time on this. There are scriptures like Psalms 107 verse 20 that says that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. God's word will heal you and deliver you. In Proverbs chapter 4, about verse 20 or 22, it says that the word of God is health to all of your flesh and life to those who find them. And on and on and on it goes. I've got a new tape series out entitled A Sure Foundation that just talks about the importance of the word and how that the word of God works. See, this is one of the laws of God. And there are people who are wanting to receive from God, and yet they don't spend any time in the Word of God. They might have some kind of a statement like, well, I I believe that the Bible says somewhere that by his stripes we're healed. I'm not sure. Is that an exact quote? You know, if that's the way that you are, you aren't going to get healed through the Word of God. You may have somebody else minister to you, and you might get healed off of their faith. But you aren't going to get healed being that vague. You need to know what the Word of God says. You need to be able to find the Scriptures. And if the Word of God isn't living on the inside of you, then you are violating one of the most foundational laws of God. That's like having an electrical wire that you know has all of the capability, but you aren't plugged into anything. It's like having a cord that isn't plugged into an outlet, and you wonder why your appliance isn't working. It's because you aren't attached to the power source. You've got to plug in to the Word of God. I could spend a lot of time on that, but I want to go on. That should be obvious. So when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Here is another great thing. The Word of God teaches that you have to say your faith. You have to speak your faith. And again, this is a teaching that I literally could spend hours upon. I could put out two or three tapes just talking about the power of words. But let me just take a couple of things and real quickly try and make this point. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, it says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. I recently taught for over an hour on the first four words in that verse. There is a lot here. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. 
and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is saying that there is power in your words. And not only positive power, there's also negative power. Did you know if you are a griper and a complainer, that you are releasing a negative force based on the teaching we did in the previous tape on uh, why isn't everyone healed? You are releasing the negative force of unbelief, and that unbelief will negate, counterbalance, cancel out your faith. It's amazing how many people pray and ask God to heal them, and then somebody comes up and says, well, how are you? Oh, I'm dying. The doctor told me I'm going to be dead, and everything in me hurts. And you start speaking negative with your mouth, and you know what? You are violating the laws of God. That is like short-circuiting an electrical current. The power may be there, but you just constantly short-circuit it, and so it's not producing the desired results. You've got to recognize that the words you speak are powerful. God created the heavens and the earth by words. He spoke the world into existence. Let there be light. Let the earth bring forth fruit. Did you know that the physical world and even your physical body responds to words? Your words are important. And many people don't understand this. They just think, well, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. Well, it does matter what you say. What you say is going to affect your belief. It will affect your body. It will affect the devil. It will affect God. God uses your words to release, to flow through. This is one of the ways that you release your faith. You know, I pray for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Over the 34 years I've been in ministry, I wouldn't doubt if I hadn't prayed for hundreds of thousands of people. And I've learned over the years that my words when I'm praying for a person are very, very important. And I speak faith-filled words. I don't ever express, I never speak forth my doubts. There's been some times that I've had people come to me that are in such bad shape that I guarantee you it causes fear and doubt on the inside of me, but I never speak it. And I only speak my faith. And I've seen people healed in spite of my unbelief because I'd never spoke it. It says in Matthew chapter 6, It says, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith all shall we be clothed? Did you know you can't keep a thought from coming, but you can keep from taking that thought. And it says, take no thought, saying, until you begin to speak forth your unbelief, you haven't really taken that thought. What you say is very, very, very important. And so this woman in the fifth chapter of the book of Mark, she said, if I can but touch his clothes, I shall be healed. And see, she put a law of God into motion. There's death and life in the power of the tongue. She spoke something positive, and then when she acted on that, power was released. You know, if you are fighting some type of a sickness, you need to get to where you start speaking faith-filled words. You need to want the results of the words that you're saying. Don't just speak what the doctor has said. Don't just speak what you feel. Speak what the Word of God says about you, and speak it in faith. At first, you may not totally believe it, but you know what? If you say it, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and eventually it'll help you believe it if you'll speak it. And that is a powerful truth. And as I said, we could just go on and on and on with this. Look in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, 
but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Three times in this verse, your words are talked about. It says, you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that the things which you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. Three times that's emphasized. You have to speak your faith out and not speak unbelief. When you speak your faith, spiritual power is released. It allows God to flow. You know, it's amazing how that when a person gets sick, the doctors have adopted a stand, a philosophy that they never want to get your hopes up. They never want to say that it's just all okay. They want to give you the worst case scenario and they will tell you the worst possible outcome. And we think that that is wisdom and that that's a good thing. Man, you need to get people's hopes up. You need to be speaking the positive things. You don't need to be speaking the negative things. When you are around somebody in a hospital room, don't go to talking about them dying. Don't go to talk about all of this kind of stuff. Go to talking about them living. Release life with your words. Speak the word of God, and God's word will become health to all of their flesh. Man, it's important. It says here you have to say unto this mountain. Now, here is another great truth, and this is so simple, and yet it's amazing how people miss this. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. Now, the mountain here is talking about your problem. Whatever it is, if you are sick and if you've got cancer in your body, speak to cancer and say, Cancer, you are dead. You are leaving my body. I command you out of my body in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, speak to your problem. And yet most people speak to God about their problem. Now, that is simple, but it is super profound. Boy, that is awesome. This is a simple truth that has just revolutionized my life. When it comes to healing, you have to learn to operate in this principle. If you have a pain in your foot, say, pain in my foot, in Jesus' name, leave. Don't say, God, take away the pain in my foot. That's not what he instructed us to do. He told us to speak to our problem not speak to God about our problem. Most people are not following this. They are violating that, and because of it, the power of God doesn't flow. It's a law of God, and that's what he told us to do. There was a woman in Charlotte, North Carolina, that I ministered to, and this woman had a severe problems. She was diagnosed in 1994 with all of these sicknesses and diseases, had constant pain. I mean, it was just terrible. In 97, she was told that she would die within a month, that it was impossible for her to live. When I prayed for her, it was 2001. She had gone four years beyond when they said she could live, but she was in terrible pain and uh, just a multitude of different things wrong with her. I prayed with her, talked to her, explained some things, and when I prayed with her, she had pain all throughout her body. I prayed and I spoke to the pain. I commanded the pain to leave. I didn't request it. This is another law of God, that God has already done his part. And instead of us asking with a question mark at the end of our sentence and wondering what God is going to do, you have to believe that God has already done it. 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. And then you have to take your authority as a believer and you have to command the power of God to flow. 
So I spoke to her body. I spoke to the pain and I commanded it to leave. And instantly this woman was free. The first time in eight years that or about seven years, I guess it was that she had been without pain. She was praising God. But then she says, well, I still have a stinging in my back right along her waist. And she says, how come the stinging didn't leave? And I said, I didn't speak to stinging. You didn't tell me about a stinging or a burning. She was using both of those words. And I said, you didn't tell me about that. I didn't speak to it. So I prayed again. And this time I said, stinging in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And it left. And the woman was just beside herself. She was walking around praising God. I spent about 20 or 30 minutes telling her how to keep her healing because Satan will come and try and steal away the word. And I told her what to do if she ever has another pain or another stinging or anything like this. And so I was instructing her. And before she got ready to leave, she looked at me and she says, the stinging has come back. And she she had this stinging, burning sensation along her waist. And I said, well, I've already told you how to do it. And I said, I'm going to join hands with you and, and agree, but you do the praying and you take charge of this thing. So this woman prayed a prayer and it was really a pretty good prayer. She said, Father, I thank you that it is your will to heal me. 30 minutes before she had believed God is the one that gave her this sickness, but I'd been teaching her. She accepted it. She said, Father, I believe that it is your will. By your stripes, I was healed. I claim my healing in the name of Jesus. Now, that's pretty good compared to where she was coming from, but I knew that it wouldn't work. And so after she prayed, I said, so do you still have any stinging? And she said, yes. How come it didn't leave? And I said, do you know why? And she said, no. And I said, it's because you spoke to God about your stinging instead of speaking to your stinging. And I use Mark eleven twenty three. The scripture tells you to talk to your mountain. And she says, you mean I'm supposed to speak to stinging and call it by that name and speak to it? And I said, yes, that's what the Bible says. I know some of you think this is weird, but Jesus spoke to a fig tree. Jesus spoke to things. He's the one that told us to speak to this mountain. It works. You don't have to understand it. Just do it. When you flip a switch on the wall, you don't have to understand why your lights come on, but just do it. It'll work. And so anyway, this woman prayed, and this time she said, stinging in the name of Jesus, and she stopped immediately, and she says, it's already gone. That's all she had to say. And I had dinner with her a year later. And she's still walking in divine health and God has set her free. It was a great miracle. But, you know, one of the keys was I used my words and specifically I didn't just speak positive words to God, but I spoke positive words to my situation. I took authority and commanded the situation to change. See, these are some of the laws of God. And I know some of you are thinking this is weird, but it's how the kingdom works. It's just the way it works. If you have a financial problem, speak to your checkbook. Some of you think, oh, now this is a little strange. Well, your checkbook will talk to you. If you see red in there instead of black, it'll go to telling you the word didn't work. God's not supplying your needs. You'll have those thoughts come to you as you look at that checkbook. Well, you speak back to it and say, in the name of Jesus, my God supplies all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you start calling that money in and you speak and it will work. When it comes to physical healing, talk to your body. You know, recently I had a man who was at one of my meetings and this man had sugar diabetes. And so I prayed with him and I rebuked sugar diabetes. I didn't ask God to rebuke it. I rebuked it. 
God's already done his part. God's already healed this man. It's a matter of somebody here on this earth taking their authority. I tell you, a tape set that would go along with this perfectly and fit right here is a six-tape album that I have entitled The Authority of the Believer. And it's really important that you get this concept and that you learn God's already done his part. Now you have to take your authority and command it to come to pass. So I commanded this man's sugar diabetes to be gone. And then I spoke to his pancreas because from what I understand, the pancreas is the part that secretes insulin in the body. And when a person has sugar diabetes, there's a problem with the pancreas. So I spoke to his pancreas and I commanded it to come back to life and to begin to function, etc. Well, this man came to me a month later and he had a monitor, an electronic monitor that he used to test his blood sugar and it stored data for up to 45 days or something like that. And he started just clicking through there and showing me what had happened. He was up over 1,100. Now, I don't understand what all this means, but his blood sugar or however this monitor registered, it showed over 1,100 the day that I prayed for him. And then it started going down. And he just started clicking through and showing me every day that number kept coming down to where at the time he showed it to me, I think he was at 108. Something like that. That's how much his blood sugar or this reading had come down. And that was a positive thing. That's what he wanted. And I believe it's because I spoke and not only rebuked the sickness, sugar diabetes, and commanded it to leave, but then I spoke to his body to repair. See, another thing that I've learned is that I will pray and rebuke cancer and command cancer to be dead and to be gone. And I've actually had my hands on people with tumors, and the tumors instantly left right under my hand. I could feel it go down. I've seen that happen. But then I've also learned that cancer damages the body. So I'll speak to the body that was damaged by cancer and command the parts you know, that were damaged, uh, organs that were eaten away to regrow. I'll release that healing power of God. I know some of you, this isn't the concept you have, and that's the reason I'm teaching on this, because I believe it's a godly concept. When I pray for people with arthritis, I will rebuke arthritis. I believe arthritis is a demonic spirit, and I rebuke the spirit and command arthritis to go. But then what about all of the twisted limbs and all of the swollen and inflamed joints and the pain that was there? See, I believe you could be healed of arthritis, arthritis gone, and yet the damage it did to your body could still be there. So I not only rebuke the arthritis, but then I speak to the body to repair, command the pain to be gone, the swelling, the inflammation to be gone. And I've seen that happen thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Again, this is one of the great laws of God is that you have to speak. This woman said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And then she acted on that. You know, it would have done her no good whatsoever to say this if she didn't follow through with actions. And this is exactly the point that's made over in James chapter 2, where it says faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. I believe that's James chapter 2, verse 14, somewhere right around there. And so you have to act on your faith. In other words, if a person listened to this tape and started saying, well, I believe in the name of Jesus that I am healed. But then if you act sick, if you continue to talk sick and think sick, that's not going to work. You know what? If you can, get up and move. If you're laying in bed because you don't feel good, get up and begin to start doing something. Start acting on your faith. 
Man, I could give hundreds of examples. I'm running short of time here. I just don't have time. But there are times that I've hurt my back, and I guarantee you I didn't feel like moving. And I got up, and I started doing exercises, sit-ups, doing everything that I didn't feel like doing, resisting it. That's now been 30 years ago, and praise God, I still have a strong, healthy back. And I can guarantee you I was in serious, serious condition. There's times that I felt sick. I went home one time uh, when I was painting. And my wife, man, I wanted to lay down and just do nothing. My wife got me up, put my arm around her neck and made me dance through the house and act like I was healed. And within 30 minutes, I was over it and it was gone. But there's a lot of people that they will lay in bed. They'll drink sodas, pop pills, let their wife or husband rub their fevered brow and wonder why they're sick. You aren't acting in faith. Faith without works is dead. It goes on to say in James chapter 2 how that by works, faith is made complete or perfect. Now, actions don't produce faith. This is where some people have missed it. And some people who weren't believing God thought, if I'll just act like I'm believing God, then it'll work. So they quit their insulin, they quit their treatment, and they die, and faith gets a bad name. No, works, actions don't produce faith. But if you already have faith, your faith won't be complete until you act on it. This woman had to act on what she said. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And then she had to act on it. And here's another thing. I hadn't got time to develop all of this. I got to say some things quickly. But she touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that the multitude was thronging him. This is like a massive amount of people that were all pushing and crowding around Jesus. And Jesus was trying to walk through them. Did you know that there is no easy way for a person to reach over and touch the hem of his garment that was always down on the floor? If you really stop and think about this, what this means is that this woman was probably on her hands and knees pushing her way through this crowd. And that's the reason she touched the hem of his garment. It shows desperation on her part. It shows commitment. Also, if you took time to study this, this woman had an issue of blood. And by the Old Testament law, she was unclean. And any garment she touched was unclean. And any person she rubbed up against was unclean. And it was considered to be a very offensive thing. So people with issues of blood like this could not go out in public. And if they did, they would have to stand on the street corner and yell, unclean, unclean. And people would clear out and give them a wide path to go through. This woman, by pushing her way through this crowd, and then if it was discovered that she had an issue of blood, this woman could have been stoned to death. This woman was taking some serious risk. This woman was, I mean, she was not going to let anything stop her or deter her. And that's another great law of God. It says over in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, most people are familiar with verse 11, which uh, verse 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then it says in verse 12, and ye shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Notice it says, ye shall search for me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. There's a lot of people that just passively say, God, I'd like to be healed, and they pray. But you know what? They could live without it. They aren't committed. They aren't to a place of where I cannot live without this any longer. 
And because of that, they don't see the healing power of God manifest. Here's another way of saying it. As long as you can live without being healed, you will. But when you reach a place to where I am not going to take this, when you get this same amount of desperation, commitment that this woman had, that you are literally putting your life on the line, if it doesn't work, you could be stoned to death. You could be trampled to death in this crowd. When you get serious enough that you are going to do whatever it takes and you get that kind of an attitude, I guarantee you the power of God begins to flow. These are all laws that govern how faith works. And I tell you, these are just some powerful, powerful principles. There's other things. I'm just going to quickly mention a lot of other things. You need to study this out on your own. But you know what? The power of God can be short-circuited by unbelief and unforgiveness. Those kind of things. I've already dealt with unbelief, but unforgiveness. Uh, Matthew chapter 18 talks about that if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, that, man, you'll be turned over to the tormentors. Unforgiveness bitterness in your heart the bible says a root of bitterness will spring up and defile the entire body you need to have a clean heart to where you don't have any unforgiveness in your heart to where you aren't walking in that it goes on to say in uh, galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 it says that faith works by love if you really understood how much god loves you your faith would go through the roof Man, I've got a lot of teaching on this. I've got a three-tape album entitled The True Nature of God. I've got a book on that that would really help you to understand the love, the mercy of God. Some people are confused because of the wrath and the punishment of the Old Testament. That tape series, that book will help you to understand. And when you understand how much God loves you, faith will work by love. You know, I had a man come to my service one time. And he had his daughter with him. She was 12 years old, and she was in a wheelchair, and she was just basically a vegetable. She was alive. She was breathing, but she couldn't talk, couldn't communicate. Her mind wasn't working. Her body didn't function. They still were using diapers on her at 12 years of age. And this man took offense at something I said and got up and left because I was saying it was God's will to heal his daughter. And so he left, but the person who brought him to the service convinced him to stay around until after the service and to talk to me. Maybe he had misunderstood or maybe I could explain myself or something. So anyway, this man stayed around and talked, and he was mad at me. He was saying, you're saying it's God's will to heal my daughter. He says, God made my daughter this way. It's God's will. And I know why he was doing that. It's a defense mechanism. It grieved him to see his daughter in that situation, and I'm sure he had prayed And he didn't see any results, and so he was just assuming that it was God's will and that God had some plan in his daughter being like that. So I began to teach him from Scripture that, no, that wasn't true. Well, he took Scriptures back, and he he, I thought he was misinterpreting his Scriptures. He thought I was misinterpreting mine, and we were at a standoff, and the man was very angry. And so finally, he was standing behind his daughter on the backside of the wheelchair. The daughter was in between us. And I just, you know, I figured I had nothing to lose. I was desperate trying to get this man to understand that God wanted his daughter healed. And so finally, I just said, what kind of a father are you anyway? I said, what kind of a father wants his daughter to be in a wheelchair, to be a paraplegic, to be a vegetable like this, to never play, never have any of the joys and stuff? I said, what kind of a man are you? And I tell you, this guy was already angry at me, and he got so hot, he could have beat me up. 
And this man looked at me, and I mean, he was furious. And he says, I'd do anything to help my daughter get well. He says, if there was an operation, I would spend any amount of money. I would do anything to get her healed. He says, if I could take her place and become like her so that she could be normal, I would do that. And after he had said all this, and I said, and you thank God who has all power, loves your daughter less than you do. And, you know, that just stopped that man cold. Now, see, he had an argument. He had doctrine. He was taught wrong that God put sickness and disease on you. But when I brought it down to he loved his daughter, there is nothing, there is no links he wouldn't go to to produce healing. And then I turned around and I said, and you thank God who the Bible says God is love, loves your daughter less than you do. See, he could argue doctrine, but when it comes down to love, if you really understood how much God loves you, your faith would go through the roof believing that God is healing you. It is not God who hasn't healed. It's us who haven't understood We need to understand how much God loves us. And if you would focus on how much God loves you, then I guarantee you your faith would go through the roof. There are some people listening to this tape that you are insistent and you are focused on healing, but you don't understand how much God loves you. You think God's upset with you. You hate yourself. You're disappointed with yourself. And you think God dislikes you even more than you dislike yourself. You know what? That is a super hindrance against God's healing power flowing in your life. Faith works by love. That's another law of God. And if you want to see the healing power of God manifest in your life, you need to start understanding how much God loves you. And that's a powerful truth. I have a three-tape album entitled God's Kind of Love, The Cure for What Ails You. And I tell you, it would really help you. So on and on we could go. Like I said, I've probably seen maybe a hundred laws that govern how faith works. I've only shared three or four, maybe five, something like that here on this tape. There's so much more. And then there's a lot that I don't understand. But all of it is revealed in the Word of God. God's Word is the owner's manual. It tells us how the kingdom works. And we need to get in and see how people, you need to take people just like this woman in Mark chapter 5 and meditate on how she received her healing. You need to take the example right here in Mark chapter 5 about Jairus receiving his daughter raised from the dead. And you need to look at how Jesus ministered healing to others. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see things that would apply to you. And I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will lead you. God wants you well. God wants you well more than you want to be well. If you aren't well, it's not because God isn't willing It's because you haven't understood how to receive. There's some things you're doing in your life, and probably some of the things we've talked about on this tape will illustrate some of those things. Maybe you've been speaking forth negative things. You've been complaining, murmuring, speaking forth what the doctor had to say instead of what God has to say. You are more moved by your medical report than you are by God's report in the Word of God. And you need to start speaking forth that. And you need to speak directly to your problem. You need to act on your faith. You need to get desperate or committed enough that nothing is going to deter you. As long as you can live without being healed, you will. But when you get determined that I will not live like this any longer, I guarantee you it'll make a difference. You need to understand the love of God. You need to start walking in forgiveness. 
and on and on and on it goes. God is a good God. He's already provided everything. And I'm telling you that God wants you well. And he is for you. And if you will allow him, he will guide you into all truth and show you the things that you need to do to be able to receive your healing. Real quickly, let me just pray with you. I know I can't see you personally, but I'm going to pray a prayer that will release my faith and hopefully it will activate your faith and help you to receive. Father, I pray for whoever is listening to this tape right now, and I know it's your will for them to be well. I know that you've already done it. First Peter 2.24, by your stripes they have already been healed. Father, you've already generated the power. It's there. It's just the flip of a switch. It's just learning. It's changing our thinking. Father, I pray that right now the Holy Spirit would quicken on the inside of this person. Whatever it is that they need to change so that they can receive what you've already done. Father, give us the wisdom. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given unto us through the knowledge of him. Father, I'm asking you to impart to them knowledge right now about what they need to do to release, to activate the healing power of God. And I agree with them. We speak to this problem now in Jesus' name. We command any kind of tumors, cancer, anything that has invaded their body to die, germs, infections, to die in Jesus' name. Father, we loose your anointing to flow through their body to release them from pain and from all of these symptoms. We go to the root of the pain and the problems and command these things to be healed in Jesus' name. I command fear to be gone, faith to come, love to flow. We speak that in the name of Jesus, we were healed. If we were, then we are. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that you want us well. And Father, we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen.